Good evening, friends. Thank you for joining us, those of you who are here in the temple and for those of you who are joining online. We, it seems a little strange to celebrate a Maha Samadhi, but in fact, we know that death is not what it seems to be. And so, in fact, I think we're celebrating uh, Master's release from harness in this lifetime and what a harness he had. So. And <clears throat> I also want to say good evening and welcome. And I also want to wish Nishala a happy birthday. What an auspicious day to decide to be born. Well yeah. done. <laughs> so we'll begin the program tonight. We'll keep it a little bit shortish because we don't know uh, if snow is predicted to come in tonight. So we'll have an opening prayer, some music, chanting. We have a very nice video that Bhaktan has created. And then we'll meditate. And then Jyotish and I will share some thoughts. And then we'll invite you all to come up to the altar and offer your devotion to Master, to God and Guru. And then there's some prashad on either side of the altar that Nanda Devi very lovingly made. So you can take some prashad home. We also had planned a little gift for you, but the world being what it is, it didn't arrive in time, but there's a little wallet-sized photo of Master saying, when I am gone, only love will take my place, but we'll put it in everybody's mailboxes so you can get it later. Let's pray together, let's stand. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Divine Mother, <laughs> friend, beloved God, <coughs> great Masters, Jesus Christ, Babaji Krishna, Lahiri Mahashaya, Swami Sri Yukteswar, Beloved Guru, Paramahansa Yoganandaji, Saints of all religions, we humbly bow to you all. <coughs> Beloved Master, bless our devotion our attunement, our desire to merge with thy consciousness. We are thy children. Guide us to our home, our eternal home with thee. Om. Peace. Amen. And we've got some eager singers here.
big day tomorrow, he said. Walking toward the elevator, he paused at the door, then repeated, I have a big day tomorrow. Wish me luck. The following day, March 7th, he came downstairs to go out. He was scheduled to attend a banquet that evening at the Biltmore Hotel in honor of the Indian ambassador. Imagine, he said, I've taken a room at the Biltmore. That's where I first started in this city. Then he repeated, Wish me luck. Master had asked me to attend the banquet with Dick Hames, the popular singer and movie actor. Dick had recently become a disciple and had taken Kriya initiation from me. Years ago, Master had said, When I leave this earth, I want to go speaking of my America and my India. In a song about India that he had written, to the tune of the popular song My California, he paraphrased the ending of that popular version with the words, I know when I die, in joy I will sigh for my sunny, grand old India. Once, too, in a lecture he had stated, A heart attack is the easiest way to die. That is how I choose to die. This evening, all those predictions were to prove true. Master was scheduled to speak after the banquet. His brief talk was so sweet, so almost tender, that I think everyone present felt embraced in the gossamer net of his love. Warmly he spoke of India and America, and of their respective contributions to world peace and true human progress. He talked of their future cooperation. Finally, he read his beautiful poem, My India. Throughout his speech, I was busy recording his words, keeping my eyes on my notebook. He came to the last lines of the poem, where Ganges, woods, Himalayan caves, and men dream God, I am hallowed, my body touched that sod. Sod became a long-drawn sigh. Suddenly, from all sides of the room, there was a shriek. I looked up. What is it? I demanded of Dick Hames, seated beside me. What happened? Master fainted, he replied. Oh, no, Master, you wouldn't faint. You've left us, you've left us. The forgotten playwright in me cried silently, This is too perfect a way for you to go, for it to mean anything else. I hastened to where Master lay. A look of bliss was on his face. Virginia Wright was stooped over him, trying desperately to revive him. Mr. Ahuja, the consul general, came over to me and put an arm around my shoulders to comfort me. Never, dear friend, will I forget that sweet act of kindness.
They brought Master's body to Mount Washington and placed it lovingly on his bed. One by one we went in, weeping, and knelt by his bedside. Mother, cried Joseph, oh, mother. Indeed, Master had been a mother to us all. Ah, and how much more than a mother. Miss Lancaster gazed at me in anguish. How many thousands of years it took, marveled an older disciple, gazing upon him in quiet awe to produce such a perfect face. Later on, after we'd left the room, Diamata remained alone with Master's body. As she gazed at him, a tear formed on his left eyelid and slowly trickled down his cheek. Lovingly she caught it with her handkerchief. In death, as in life, he was telling his beloved disciple, and through her the rest of us, I love you always, through endless cycles of time, unconditionally, without any desire, except for your happiness, forever in God. It's such a beautiful expression, that last smile of Master's. The mystery of the great saints, of especially an avatar such as this, is something that we can never really understand with our rational minds. You know, in the festival, every week we read from a life of infinite joy and freedom in God, willingly to embrace limitation, pain, and death for the salvation of mankind. Such is the life of all great souls. So we have to do our best to imagine that Master is in a state of bliss all the time but he willingly has to come into this world of turbulence and ups and downs and likes and dislikes and all of the stuff that Maya deals with. He has to come in, but it's really only God in visible form that's coming in to respond to the call of people like us who are wanting to to exit from, from this grand game. We've had enough. We, we want to have game over and, and be done with it. And so that soul call is felt by God. Obviously, it's felt by God because it's God within us that is producing that soul call. But because of the veil of separation and delusion, we don't we don't yet see it that way. So the, the great masters come in, master came in, in order to respond to that call. But it wasn't just a small call. It was the call, let's say, of the entire human race calling out as the ages ascend, calling out for some way to live in higher consciousness, whether on a conscious level or not. 
the souls of mankind, of the whole world, is making that plea to God, show me how I can live on a higher level. And so God responds to that and comes in in the form, uh, to speak personally for all of us, came in the form of master to respond to that call. Now, the master had a huge mission. He had a worldwide work to do, but he also had a work to do more specifically for those disciples that were truly calling out, who had reached a level where consciously they were calling, almost as Swami said, calling with desperation to show us, to show him how he can live a life that would unite him with God. And so with varying levels of desperation, all of his disciples are calling out for that too. But Master had, as Swami says in a play, uh, the Master had a strangely dual role. And so on the one hand, we read again and again of Master's desire just to be up in the Himalayas where there are no distractions. It's, it's symbolic. Himalayas are symbolic. We've been there, you know, there are lots of distractions. We haven't, we haven't lived in a cave in the Himalayas, but uh, basically that's what they represent, where there isn't an outward pull, an outward responsibility, and one can just be in bliss, in samadhi, in complete union with God. Master had that pull, and many times he begged Divine Mother to let him out of this workplace and let him go to the Himalayas. And he said in his next life, he was 200 years from when he passed, he was going to live in the Himalayas with a small group of highly evolved um, devotees, much like Babaji. And if he had to be there, had to be in this world for whatever the reasons, that's what he preferred. But in this life, he had this enormous dynamic mission to uplift the consciousness of the world and to especially to magnetize and train those devotees who were yearning for, for knowledge of God, for uh, unity with God. Now, Swamiji coming to Master represented, one might say, the single farthest point of his disciples, all of the great disciples, you know, Master, they'd been with Master for many, many lifetimes, and he just drew them into this lifetime to play a particular role. So, but Swami, of all of the disciples, represented, one might say, the farthest extension of the desire to share these teachings with the world. And so Master magnetized him to do that. And what a magnificent job uh, Swami did with that work. And so Master said to Swami, your in this life will be one of intense activity and meditation. Now, we are all 
children of that ray of swamis. And so, by and large, our life, too, is one of intense activity and meditation. And quite frankly, I think Master is very pleased with the level of activity, the dedication, the effectiveness, the life dedication of, call it the population of Ananda, the, the spiritual family of Ananda. I think he's very pleased with how much we have carried on that mission. Now, it's not the only part of his ray. You know, his two, three most advanced disciples were Rajasi, uh, Oliver Black, and, and Sister Gyanamata. Two of them didn't teach at all. You know, Rajasi didn't teach. I mean, maybe he gave a lecture or two here and there. Um, Gyanamata didn't teach. She related to sister nuns. So it wasn't like all his uh, high disciples had to have this particular aspect of, of taking the teachings out and sharing them, just that Swami had that and Master drew him and drew all of us to help with that. Um, Oliver Black had a, had a big teaching role, uh, but he, he was basically worked alone. And Swami drew a huge spiritual family to help in the spread of this. So with Master's life, it's our job to tune in more and more deeply to his consciousness, to what he was trying to accomplish, to attune our will, our individual will. It can't be imposed. It has to come from the deep, sincere desire within us to achieve a complete attunement with Master. Master, again, is God in visible form so that we can not have something vague that we dedicate our life to, but a clear image and model. And so by attuning to master ever more deeply, um, we're attuning, we're basically dissolving those parts of our consciousness that don't want to be merged with God. We carry this tail, long tail, from many thousand, millions of incarnations of being involved in, in the world and functioning in the world. But all of that is dissolving and dissolving and dissolving. What remains when all of the, one might say, mud is washed off is only the pure diamond of desire to merge with God. For us, the way to do that is through ever deeper self-offering and, and attunement to master, to this ray, and to the dual purpose that he had of intense activity, which I think we're doing a really good job with, and deep meditation. As he said, to he would write to Oliver Black, um, who frankly had too much intense activity. Master kept trying to tell him, drop your businesses, just teach, just 
come here more often, be with me more often. But, but he had a lot of responsibilities. But so, so that's, that's one part of the role to attune to Master's great mission in this lifetime. The other part of the role is to attune inwardly. We have to make in our hearts the Himalayan cave that Master yearned to be in. And when we have that Himalayan cave of desire only for God, when we have that beautifully prepared, I don't know if you decorate a Himalayan cave, I don't think you do, but beautifully prepared and just right, then Master will come and be there with us. We could hear in Swamiji's reading of that narration of Master's passing how difficult it was for those who were with him in, in the body when he left the body. But for us who in this lifetime were not with him in the body, it's almost the reverse because Mahasamadhi, the great Samadhi, the great merging with God, for us is an affirmation that he's not limited by the body. We've been with him before. We may be with him most likely again. I would say definitely again. I won't qualify that. And it's, as I say, it's an affirmation of Master, you have always been with us. Whether you have a body, whether we were in Spain or England or in the Battle of the Mahabharata, it doesn't matter. Those lifetimes are just little chapters in a long, long tale of our souls moving to God through the grace of Yoganandaji. Devarshi, Naiswami Devarshi, recently sent us a, an amazing story that took place, that happened to one of Master's direct disciples. Some of you may have met him. Swami actually was the one who invited him to be a monk at Mount Washington, Brother Turiyananda. And Turiyananda, he was... He was originally from Switzerland, and he had read Autobiography of a Yogi. This wasn't what Devarshi wrote, I'll come to that. But he had read Autobiography of a Yogi and, uh, in Switzerland and really wanted, uh, he felt that Master was his guru, but he wanted a living guru. And so at this time, one of the great saints of modern India, Swami Ramdas, not the Ramdas, uh, the American Richard Alpert, but uh, Swami Ramdas, who wrote in The Vision of God and The Quest of God, if you're familiar with those books. But he went to hear a lecture by Swami Ramdas, and afterwards he knelt at his feet and he said, Will you be my guru? And Ramdas said, Oh no, I'm not your guru. Yoganandaji is your guru. And Tiryananda replied, But he's dead. I want a living guru. And Ramdas said, oh, no, no, you're dead. He's living. <laughs> and 
so that's really what's happening now, that Master is more alive, I would say, for us than maybe for many of the people who were with him in the body. Master said in Mount Washington, it was like a revolving door in Master's lifetime. People would come and go and come and go and not really understand who he was. But this story of Turiananda that we heard recently, this took place in the late 80s. So some today, by the way, is the 71st anniversary of Master's passing. So it was, you know, some uh, 30 years after Master passed, this story took place. And he was in his room, his monastic room, Turiananda, and Master appeared to him, came to him in physical form, and he was holding a book. And it was a book, a white, book, white and gold book, he described, but the letters were of gold, of light, excuse me, of light. And he held the book out to Turiananda, and he knew he was supposed to, he, he kept holding it, he didn't let him take the book. And it was called The Story of My Life. And as he turned the pages forward or backward, each page was a different incarnation in which Master had been with him and was guiding him forward. And he'd turn back a little bit, he'd see past lives. He'd move forward a little bit, he'd see future lives. But in all of them, past and obviously present and future, Master was always there guiding him. And this is very important for us to remember because we can't think of Master in the past. He's very, very much with us now. And he knows everything we're going through and he's trying to help us through it all. And very much alive. And our job is to stop holding him at a distance and saying, oh, well, you know, you lived in Los Angeles, you had these disciples, you wrote this book. No, he's in our meditation room every day. He's in our Kriya practice, morning and evening. He's there every time we read the autobiography. He's there every time we stumble and fall. Who do you think picks us up? You think we could get up by our own efforts? Not at all. It's that living presence. And that's why we celebrate the Mahasamadhi, because he was freed from time and space and becomes omnipresent and eternal. And with us, very much. You know, in that vision Master had, in the storeroom at his Ranchi school. I love that chapter where it starts off, Americans, these must be Americans. And he saw Western faces, all races, all colors, all people of the West. And he knew God was calling him. Well, put yourself amongst those Western faces. You were there. He saw you, and he came for you. And as I say, in some ways, there's the challenge of saying, well, it happened in the past. 
But there's also the wonderful opportunity to say, no, he's not in the other room. He's not in Los Angeles. He's right here right now. And our job is that beautiful poem that Mayatri put to music, keep calling him, keep calling him. Whether he replies or not, keep calling him. And in the end, you will receive his answer. And the more time goes by, and I watch the caliber, the spiritual, uh, I don't know what word to use, just the spiritual radiance of the people who live here at Ananda Village, the humility and the wisdom and the self-sacrifice, I know that Master is guiding each one of us. And when, Ma when Swami said to us, probably 10 years before he passed, each one of you should tr strive to become a Jivan Mukta, freed while living. He wasn't just saying that to set an impossible goal for us. He was saying, this is your destiny, and don't sell yourself short. Go for it. And with, because Master is here with you. He is here with us. He's in this room. There was that wonderful quote where Master said, I will come again, and I will sit in the back of the church, and you won't see me, you won't recognize me, but I will see all of you. And whenever I come into this beautiful temple that God gave us, I try to imagine that he's sitting in the back of the room. And maybe we can't see him, but he sees us always. And so as we celebrate his Maha Samadhi, this was his gift to all of us, who, who it was not our karma to be with him in the body in this lifetime. But as Jyotish said, and it was an interesting thought. I hadn't ever quite thought of it that way, that Swami was the farthest extension of Master's work. And that's why we came. Not to sit necessarily at the Guru's feet, but to do his mission in the world. And that's what we're doing beautifully. And we must continue to do it and share Master's light with all of the souls that he came to the West to bring to God and throughout the world. And it's so heartening when we go to Assisi or to India. I remember some years ago, just after the war between Croatia and Serbia, we went to the Ananda Meditation Group in Croatia, and they were singing Master's Chants in Croatian that they had translated. It was so beautiful. I, of course, that was a very unfamiliar language to me, but you could feel it's the same. It's all the same. Whatever language we speak, whatever culture we come from, race, religion, none of it matters. All that matters is that deep, deep yearning to draw Master as a living reality into his life, into our life. And so with his Mahasamadhi, that's our opportunity. Let's carry it with us, not just tonight, 
on the ninth, it's Masters, or Sri Teshwar's Mahasamadhi. Curious that they both passed in such close proximity. I don't think it, anything in their lives is by chance. But let's try to carry with us in the days and weeks and even months ahead the thought that you left this body so that you could be even more with us and you are more with us. And it's up to us now to improve our ability to feel and see and hear your words, your presence, and to receive your love. I think of all the things that challenge his devotees, that's the hardest of all, to re realize how much God and Guru love us. We, sh we pull back from that. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I don't meditate enough. All those things. They don't care. They just love us because that's what they are. They are love. And when we can accept ourselves, accept that Master is with us, accept how, that we are particularly and uniquely beloved by them, then it all begins. All the problems of this world become very insignificant. Let's close with a prayer now. Please stand. Heavenly Father, Divine Mother, Friend, beloved God, great masters, Jesus Christ, Babaji Krishna, Lahiri Maharshaya, Swami Sri Yukteswarji, beloved Guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, saints of all religions. We humbly bow to you all. <coughs> o beloved Master, guide us forward through the clouds of delusion, through the clouds of karma, into thy light of omnipresent joy, of unconditional love, of soul freedom. We honor your life that goes on forever in the consciousness of God. Om, peace, amen.